Hello, Vineyard. Hello, Vineyard. Vine Press 2.0. Season 2, I believe episode 6 today. So glad you could join us here. How are you doing, Dad? I'm good. I'm good. It's a rainy day here when we're uh, taping this, and uh, so... Um, we don't have a lot of those, and uh, it's supposed to be rainy all day. It's been day. raining all month, it feels like. Yeah, but it's uh, very rainy right at the moment. <laughs> rainy days. How um, how'd you think church went this weekend? Good? Good. Good weekend. Yeah. Uh, it's fun to, you know, it taking a while to sort of slowly come back for people to feel safe. And, uh, we're still, you know, being careful, social distancing, and the way we have everything set up now, so... Um, so, you know, slowly but surely, seeing people come back. Good to have them here. It's kids' church, seeing kids coming back. That's been fun. At 11 o'clock, there was a ton of kids. Yeah, yeah. Like, there know. was uh, actually at 11 o'clock, there was 16 youth upstairs at 11 wow. o'clock. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Great. Yeah. So, you know, slowly but surely, it's uh, returning to a new normal, yeah. I guess. That, that yeah, phrase yeah. went around a lot at yeah. the start of COVID, and none of us liked it. Yeah. But um, here we are now. Several months later, it's, it's October. Seven months. We're thinking about what we're doing for, you know, Christmas already, and that's always a fun little project. Yeah. I've already oh. ordered the uh, candles. Well, we've so got the candles. We're expecting to do the candlelight services again, three of them. That's what we're planning on. We can do those safely. Six and 7.30. We'll do those. We'll also live stream. I'll probably only live stream one of those. Okay. That's what I did last year. Um, or we'll live stream all three. I don't know. Uh, let us know in the comments if you want us to live stream all of the Christmas Eve services or, you know, one of them, which I think would probably be sufficient. Yeah. But, yeah, cause, I mean, they're all going to be exactly the same. But uh, try to make it in person if you can with the mask on. And yeah. I think we'll still be having the masks. Oh, yeah. But uh, anyway, uh, in case you're new to the show or haven't tuned in in a while, we've uh, changed the format of the show a little bit. Uh, we now incorporate our former Vine Press Zoom meeting into our Hello Vineyard podcast. You can submit your questions about last weekend's sermon, uh, send them to us, and uh, my dad will answer them in great detail. So it's a great um, dessert course to the main meal of the message there. little food analogy for you. That was was bonus there. There you go. Thank you. So you can log on to HelloVineyard.com or there's a link on KeysVineyard.com to submit your questions. Uh, So you can find that there. And uh, you can watch the sermons online, you can do all that, you can watch them live, you can join us in person. Lots of great ways to get connected. But uh, how about we jump right in? Let's go. With our first question. We've got quite a few questions today. So <laughs> I, will, questions. I will have to shorten my answers a little. You know, last week I didn't have as many questions, so I lengthened my answers. Yeah, so it, it's a balance. Because yeah. if we're here for two hours, I'm just going to get up and, and Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, me too, actually. Because yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just walk off at some yeah. point, leave the recording going. Yeah, we, we're so used to working with the countdown. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> at, at the point where I start walking. to bore myself, we're out of here. Yeah. So hopefully uh, we'll get done before that point. Yeah. But anyway, here we go. You described how the psalmist is experiencing a paradox when he is bringing others into worship but not feeling close to God himself. Does this mean he's just not feeling close to God or is he actually having distance from God? When we're going through these dark times and not feeling close to God, what can we do to enter in his presence? Yeah, good. Um, Actually, uh, more of the paradox there is that the psalmist is inviting us into the presence of God while talking about not feeling the presence of God. So, so that's more of the paradox I was going for. Um, but, uh, yeah, so he's going through a difficult situation, and because of his circumstances, he's not 
really experiencing God the way he would like to or the way he has in the past. And so that's, that's a, you know, that's fairly happens to all of us in difficult situations. It tends to cause us to, you know, experience those things differently, differently. So to enter his presence, what we do is, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of what we were talking about. We, uh, I always think, you know, you have to remember the whole story and how this story ends and the promises you have in the story and what that looks like. And, and so that kind of helps you to know that he's going to help you through whatever the difficulty is, that somehow God is able to work things together for good. Um, you have to hang on to that. And, and then you just press through. And it's not always about... Uh, it's not always about, we don't always feel him the way we would like to, but, but we're, we're not completely run by our feelings. Our feelings have some, you know, don't discount your feelings, but also don't be governed by them because um, they will lie to you sometimes. So, so we, sometimes we have to sort of make the decision that, that even though we're not feeling him the way we would like, we do know who he is. We trust him. We ask like the psalmist did for, you know, light and truth to lead me back into the presence. But until then, I'm going to cling to God, even if I'm clinging to God with my why questions, because I know that he's good and that he's got me. Awesome. <clears throat> well, thank you for that question. Next one. In Ezekiel chapter 40, it seems God is showing Ezekiel specific things about rebuilding the temple. You said the Jews rebuilt the temple and expected God to show up, but he didn't. It seems like God instructed them to rebuild the temple. Did the Jewish people or the priests realize the presence of God didn't return or why he didn't return? What was the purpose of the temple without the presence of God? Was this supposed to point to Jesus coming and being the temple? Yes. No, I'm sure. <laughs> Next question. That's Great. Great question. Um, yeah, reading this passage of Scripture, Ezekiel is talking to the exiles in Babylon and uh, he's kind of writing after they've been there about 25 years so they're, they're imagine you know 25 years of exile is very wearying and um, it's weighing on them heavily so uh, Ezekiel 40 41 42 he's talking about the temple and very specifically what it what it's supposed to look like with you know like measuring things and all sorts of other stuff and uh, he gets into 43, and he starts talking about the glory of God in the temple and what's going to happen. So uh, so I think Ezekiel is, is writing first off to encourage them, um, to, to continue to hang on, to remind them who they are, um, and, you know, that they're the people of God, and it, it's bringing into idea, you know, God's desire to dwell with his people. All that stuff is sort of being... Um, Worked in there. Uh, after the Babylonian exile, they will go back and rebuild the temple. Not sort of exactly the way Ezekiel spelled it out, but they will rebuild the temple. And you're right. Um, uh, the prophets had said when that happens, they would have that return of the presence of God. But it doesn't happen. And we know that because the writers at the time sort of write about that. That, that Shekinah glory that's talked about didn't happen. Now, they, they talked about um, sort of a... Uh, I don't know, like a, a, an atmosphere of respect that was there be, for the Torah um, and, you know, things that were happening. So there was that sort of um, vague sort of feeling of God. It's like the only way I can explain it is if you've ever gone into a, a really old church somewhere, even if it's not happening anymore. When we were in England, we would go and visit some of the old churches, the old cathedrals. And there was a sort of reverence there that you sort of felt when you walked in that was kind of residual there. Um, and so I think the temple had that, but I don't think it had that active 
presence of God the, the way they were hoping, and that this was going to happen, you know, pointedly when Jesus came back, that, that the prophets are, are, without knowing it perhaps, that's what they're talking about. And Malachi even says that, listen, it's coming, but it's just not going to look like what we expected. And, you know, John the Baptist has to come first, and then Jesus, and then he says he's the temple. So we see all of that. And uh, it's also alluding to the idea of temple, you know, that, that Jesus says he's the temple. Remember we talk about we're the living temple, that this is all part of it. Uh, and in Hebrews talks about that quite a bit, what some of those things look like. But I think it's interesting, you know, in Revelation in 21, when, when we're talking about new heaven coming to earth, um, they don't see a temple there anymore. But what they see is, you know, Jesus, uh, you know, and the Father, and the, the, you know, that's what they see. And, and so um, there's something about that, that that is actually the culmination of temple. It's heaven and earth dwelling together. It's, it's us and God, you know, where, where he's there and we're there. And so I think all these things in Ezekiel are just pointing to that time. But we're also written with some sort of uh, giving the people in exile some hope to hang in there because they were 25 years into a 70-year exile and that some, someday the temple would be rebuilt and these things would happen. And so there was some sort of immediate um, response because the temple was ultimately rebuilt. But it, the presence didn't show up until the return of Jesus. And, and then, um, then, you know, and now the spirit is in us. So we're the living temple because that temple was destroyed way back uh, Way back then. So uh, all those things are pointing to what's happening. But a great question and uh, great, great reading of the scripture to see that happening and wonder what's going on. Awesome. All right. Next one. The new word, the words, sorry, there's a lot of new here. The words new heaven and first heaven popped out to this person asking the question. They never thought of a new heaven. They always thought heaven would remain the same, but uh, they guess not. Uh, they've never thought or read about New Heaven, and they were wondering if you could expand on that concept and if there is any other biblical references to the New Heaven. Uh, yeah, and there are actually some other biblical references. Uh, Isaiah, uh, Isaiah 65, 17 through 19, Behold, I will create new heavens and a new earth. And the former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight, and its people a joy. And I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. And the sound of weeping and crying will be heard in it no more. So, you know, that's, that's really what we have in Revelation 25, right? The, you know, that's, we, we see that being uh, prophesied back in Isaiah 65, Isaiah 66, 22. As the new heavens and the new earth that I make will endure before me, declares the Lord, so will your name and descendants endure. So there we have it again in Scripture, this idea of what's coming. And so the, the picture is, you know, that even though heaven and earth overlap right now, they're not connected the way that they will be. And that's the idea of new heaven and new earth. That's the picture. And earth, you know, being renewed, restored, because of the passage I'm about to read you, people people think it's like a, uh, you know, it's it's wiped out completely and then redone. But I don't believe that to be true. It's like, you know, when the when the flood covered the face of the earth, it it changed everything. But the earth itself was still here. Well, that's something that happens here in this new thing. You know, there's pictures of fire going on with that. I'm not sure how it all works. But uh, in Second Peter three ten it says. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire in the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives and look forward to the day of God 
and speed is coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promises, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, a home of righteousness. So Peter was, was saying, hey, look, he got it too. And they're, they're understanding Isaiah and how these things tie together and what's happening. And so, you know, and he talks about the idea of... Uh, uh, you know, living holy and godly lives, which actually is part of that question before about the Ezekiel stuff, that that um, part of the return to the temple uh, of the people would result in uh, purity of living. And so we also see that being tied into everything that's going on here. Uh, and uh, and so, yeah, there are those ideas of new heaven in other places of the scripture, and, and that's what it's talking about, when it's finally reconnected. I, to me, it's a picture of... Um, going back to what was going on in creation in in Eden, uh, and that's sort of the picture that we get there. So, uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's kind of how that works, and it's uh, really good stuff to think about. Great question, awesome. Next one, hearing, write it down in Revelation 21 about the revelation and the hope we have made made me think about the importance of journaling to remember His faithfulness in our trials. Uh, do you find this a helpful discipline, talking about journaling? Yeah, journaling is a, uh, is a really helpful discipline. Um, I have spent some time journaling, and then other times were not journaling so much. Uh, it kind of has come and gone in my life. And, uh, but I've, I value the times when I am doing it. Uh, I would honestly say this is a season where I haven't been journaling. Uh, it just hasn't been one of the disciplines I've been into, but I f- see it as very valuable. Um, and uh, I know that we actually, I think we have a Facebook group where they write scripture and then journal about them. And I, I think there's quite a few people involved in that group. I think it's a great practice. Um, so if it's if it's a way that um, you it's helping you feel connected to God, I think it's good to listen for God, to write those things down. I think it's good to write your prayers down and go revisit them and see how you know how many of them are being answered because that's been a wonderful thing. I used to do that all the time. So yeah, I think it's a great discipline and and uh, certainly should be something that uh, if you've never done, you give a try uh, and, and uh, see how it works. Um, and and then like I said, you know, over the years, I find. Um, that I don't want to get stale in the way that I sort of practice the presence of God. So I will introduce new things and, and stop some things from time to time, and then you sort of get into a flow that, that makes you most comfortable, and then stick with that. So, great question. Awesome. Next one. Why do you think we hesitate to ask God why? I think a lot of times we see it as a lack of faith, um, or or we we get into that place where when things are happening, you know, we think maybe we deserve them or we're being punished or, uh, you know, it, we forget. Uh, I think we forget about the mercy of God. Um, I think it's fine to ask God why. I think it, it actually demonstrates faith because you, you know that, see, deep in your soul, once you, once you come to know Jesus, deep inside you, you know things should be different than they are. And I think... Uh, you know, it's a constant reminder that, that this is not as good as it gets. We're blessed in that we get to experience some amazing times and some, you know, incredible things because the kingdom is here in part. It's just not fully here yet. But uh, but I don't know. I think maybe we're, we're sort of at some point in time we think that, that asking God why is a lack of faith or means that we, you know, it's like we don't trust him or we ought to be, you know, better than that. I, I don't think so. I think... That's one of the reasons I always tell people to read the Psalms, is, is that it's filled with people asking God why. And I think it's very helpful. 
Awesome question. Always makes me think of uh, my five-year-old. Dad, can I do this? No. Why? I think we're trained a lot to not just ask why after things, but it, it's okay. God isn't a because I told you so kind of God. Yeah. <laughs> All right, next one. Could you explain the difference between complaining to God versus complaining of God? And when we lament, how can we prevent it from turning into complaint of God? Yeah, well, you know, just because we aren't happy with something doesn't mean that we're not happy with God. I, I think uh, when and I, I think fortunately he knows our heart in that, um, you know, because I don't I understand I understand because of the story that is a fallen world, broken planet and that stuff happens. Um, and I also am fully aware of the fact that I have sinned and, and that there's consequences for sin. I know that he has protected me from the big one, which is death. But um, that bad choices that I've made, and and uh, and then harder to accept a lot of times uh, bad choices other people make, and how that impacts us. Um, but I don't blame. I don't think I blame you know God for those things. I, I understand that He's already done for me everything that He needed to do, and and so I settle in there. So when I'm asking why, it's not sort of a challenge to Him. It's really helped me, and. To un- not even to understand it, God, just kind of help me to redirect so that um, I'm more thankful than, whine- you know, that's why I always tell people to be thankful every day for five things. Because it helps us get centered on what we have instead of what we don't have. Because if you get focused on what you don't have, life becomes very sort of critical. Um, but, you know, but there is a little time to lament. And, and the lament is... That it's a fallen world and a broken planet and the fallout of that. that there are times when that will sort of sweep over us. Uh, you know, I think about um, how divided everything is now. And, and uh, you know, that saddens me. That, that we, you know, it's, it's almost, in, it's not really even possible any longer in a lot of places to disagree and, and be able to still hang in there. You know, one of the things that Paul tried to teach the early church was the importance of unity. And uh, he talks about this a lot. And and the idea was, you know, in, in those places where we disagree that aren't like main theological things, let's ask Holy Spirit to to help sort of help us. Let's be open to him showing us what's right. And we're going to put that up here. But we're still going to love each other because that's what we're called to do. And and I, I think that, you know, we're, we've lost a lot of that. There's it's a really tough situation. And so, you know, I, I lament over that. I, I think that's a sad thing. And, you know, I'm praying that, you know, people will be restored to a place where we can get to where we can love people even when we disagree and understand that, that we need. We don't always have it right. They might not have it right, but we can still love each other and we can pray for wisdom and for change. But, you know, we need to do it in a, in a, in a place of humility and love. And um, there's a lot of stuff at work. So, you know, that's a big answer there. But, um, but yeah, it, it's, it's a good question, uh, all in all. And uh, as long as you're, you know, the, to go back to the first part with your heart towards God, you know, it, once, you, once you realize what he's done and how good he is, then, then asking questions isn't, um, isn't being critical of God. It's just asking questions. Nice. All right, next one. After seeing you show that Psalm 42 and 43 are actually one song with three movements, as you said, uh, they were wondering if you could give a brief explanation of when and how chapters and verses were added to the Bible. 
And are there any other notable examples where the chapters or verses aren't quite right? Yeah, so um, back in the early 1200s, the church uh, began to really sort of dividing the the Latin Vulgate into chapters. uh, And then um, uh, that was sort of expanded. And then um, in the 1600s, it really sort of early 1600s, we first see that happening in, in the the Greek uh, transcripts of the New Testament, and uh, they began to number those uh, there in the verses. Um, so that's 16th century, actually. So back as early as 1550, these things start to show up. Um, it was just a way to begin to um, be able to study and talk about and converse over areas. So, uh, uh, you know, I, I think in the Hebrew, the way I understand it, it was always paragraphs. Uh, and then at some point they they tried to sort of group them together and and uh, so that you know we they they got it right sometimes and not not always right and we see that in the New Testament Paul's letters a lot of times there's chapters where it's not just don't all you really need to do is not right or wrong just don't necessarily think that a chapter des, you know is always a new thought it's not sometimes it's right in the middle of a thought and uh, and so you kind of have to read it that way read it. Um, with, without being so concerned by the chapters and verse numbers. Because one of the complaints there's been, uh, the critiques of the chapters and verse numbers, is that it allows people to take things out of context. And so what you want to do is make sure you understand the context. And, and so, and you can, when I say that, hopefully you can see how that happens. Someone will get one verse... And they'll, they'll say, well, the verse says this, and that's what it means. And it doesn't mean that at all, because if you read the context of things that were happening before and after it, it has a completely different meaning. That's something we need to be very careful of. So, so context is important. Um, and, and yeah, you know, there's throughout the, throughout the scripture, there's ideas. You know, that, that Isaiah 44 through 60 is kind of one big song. Um, there's a lot of those things where chapters aren't really... Um, what you need to go by. Read it in context and and start asking yourself where changes of thought actually occur. And, and that's probably a lot more helpful into sort of the way that you read the Bible and the way that you take it in for yourself. But be careful of taking things out of context. And, and so there's that. Good explanation there. Next one. Uh, when heaven and earth begin to dwell together, will lost children have an opportunity to come to God? Yeah, you know, uh, this is one of those things, uh, and um, I think it's we we have concern over our friends and family and the lost in general, people who don't know, and and uh, you know what happens. That's why it's so important for us to pray now for the people in in our immediate families and, and on our, in the broader reach we have to come to know Jesus. I think they need to make that decision now. Um, I, I think that's really the ultimate sort of purpose of, one of the ultimate purposes of this life is coming to know Jesus. That, that's the big thing. Do you, did, you, did you meet Jesus? Did you, did you come to know Jesus? Are you in relationship with Jesus? Um, and so, never give up on, on your family, even the hard ones, because I'm amazed 
in in how often the ones that seem the hardest are the ones who come into the kingdom. So um, just keep that at the forefront of your prayers. And then, you know, you just have to trust that God's got it. And you never know what's going to happen in somebody's life at any point in time, even at the last moment. So we, we always want to just keep pressing in and praying. But I think, you know, we continue. The best shot we have at this is living this thing out ourselves and loving people well. That Ultimately, that's even what our family notices and sees. You know, when I, when I first became, so my family weren't believers at all. We didn't grow up that way. When I became a Christian, I'm pretty sure they thought it was going to be a fad. And uh, I'm pretty sure it took 20 years to dispel that idea. Uh, and me being in full-time ministry before they went, oh, probably not going to be a fad. And then came opportunities for me with, uh, with and, and for Alice in, in our families. And we've seen many of them um, either make decisions for Christ or talk about how they have made decisions for Christ or see changes. Uh, uh, I can't say that I, I have, you know, that all of them, but, but many, many of them. And it took a while. And it took uh, just that steady faithfulness. And then you just have to trust God with the rest of it. And, and you know, that we go there. But I do know... That what drives us is that our mission and purpose is to be ambassadors. We're, we're going to do whatever we can to get as many people as we can to come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. So that we know that, that on his great return, they'll be celebrating with us. So keep pressing on. Never give up on your family. And trust in God for his goodness. And, and yet keep the lost in the forefront of your prayers. Awesome. Thank you for that question. Uh, next one, we've got a few more on the list. We did good this week mm-hmm. on the question department. I think, or this person, that asking questions is challenging. It makes us think differently, be curious, be creative. Uh, the way the psalmist writes with a childlike curiosity is so beautiful. At some point, they feel some of us may stop or lose their creativity and curiosity. Is this the enemy at work, or is this just a part of growing up? Yeah, so uh, great sort of, uh, you know, Understanding why I ask people that I'm kind of relating to at a, you know, in that little discipleship group that I have to ask questions is it does make you think differently. And it makes you listen differently. Uh, it challenges you to think, well, I've got to listen to a point where I can ask a question. So, um, that's a great technique too. Um, it's one of those things that you can actually incorporate into your, your Bible reading and stuff. Read it in such a way that you can ask questions about it. Um, and, and that will, change the way that you look at things. So, so we do that. Um, and yes, I think that... Um, I think a lot of creativity is kind of... Uh, we, get, we get the pressures of life sort of push it away from us. And we, we don't get to those things. I, I know that, uh, um, that that can be very... Although sometimes they think it expresses in different ways. You know, like as a kid, I used to love to draw and paint, uh, and then um, I got kind of away from that and into other things. And then, um, you know, for a while, I liked to play guitar and even write music and stuff, and that was kind of something I did. And then I, uh, I don't send, but you know, there's other ways to be creative. I would say that you know that one of the ways I try and be creative now is you know studying for my messages and how I present those things, and uh, you know, and thinking, trying to think outside the box, things we can do. Uh, so I would say, you know, to continue to give room for your creativity to um, to flourish. That's one of the things I, I try and tell people, too, is to give room to your holy imagination. Um, because God's given you that. And, and so use that to uh, think about things that God 
is capable of, because it says he's beyond what we can even think of. So, that, I mean, I think that's permission to let your Josh really start being, you know, imaginative and creative. So, you know, so hang out of those things. And uh, uh, it's such an important part of who we are. Don't don't totally lose it. You should be finding ways to be expressing your creativity. It might not always be what it was, but uh, look for how you're being creative now. And if you're not, you know, you, you may want to go back to things that you enjoy. You, you, you know. Uh, my wife does needlepoint and crochet and stuff, and that's her. You know, she she and she creates amazing things, and she just sits there doing it. It's that expression. Um, your wife does weaving sometimes and makes amazing quilts and clothes, and and uh, as well as her music. So and, and so, you know, and then some people s- sort of uh, find other ways to express it. Look for ways that that, it, that fits with you, and then and then go from there. Awesome. Next one. Uh, this person says they like learning about the different types of hopes. They consider themselves a uh, more visual uh, person. They're, they're passionate about that. Uh, they're wondering what a good visual picture would be for the renewal of all things. Well, I'm glad I just talked about holy imagination. Um, so, think about the most sort of perfect thing that you've seen in nature or whatever. Just the, and then let your imagination magnify that beyond what you can comprehend. That's the only way I can say it. It's, it's so beyond what we can understand. Um, uh, you know, there's some pictures in there. Uh, you know, Think about that passage in Revelation 21, 1 through 5, what, what that's going to look like. Think about some of the descriptions in Revelation of the new heaven. And, and uh, you know, and it starts talking about, you know, it's, it's the splendor of the, the new Jerusalem and the, the jewels that adorn everything. Try and get an idea of that to form your, your thinking. But that's kind of the way that you do it uh, in the process. So, so sort of go with that, uh, you know, as a visual person. So, again, think about, like, the most perfect sort of thing that you've seen you know sunrise sunset ocean whatever it might be and then and then and then realize the real thing is the perfect thing is so much better than that that i can't even begin to fully fathom it so kind of go with that awesome tough one to describe but yeah just imagine everything being like perfect yes yeah. <laughs> next one do you think that instant gratification is the greatest obstacle to us holding on to our delayed Hope. Certainly one of the major ones. <laughs> we don't like to wait. No, we are. What? I have to wait three days for shipping and it's yeah. not free? Uh, yeah, and it's gotten worse, right? We don't like. Uh, I mean, do you, you remember signing on to the internet a long time ago? <laughs> America Online. Yeah. Welcome. Yeah. Um, and now, if it's not instant, we're. Frustrated. So our culture has made it it's made us even worse. We don't like waiting at all. Uh, we don't like standing in line. We don't like. This is our culture now. You know, other cultures are still standing in line for a lot of things, but we don't we don't like it. So, yeah. Um, and 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 so we have to remember that we're tension people. This uh, the idea of the now and the not yet. You know, we're we're always we're ultimately waiting for Jesus to return, and. Uh, Everything then that happens with that, and and so we're we're blessed that we get breakthroughs of the kingdom now, but we don't have the full deal yet. So, yeah, it's it's hard. It's uh, 
I think it's part of the maturing process, learning to wait. Um, and, and then on the same token, I think it gets a little easier maybe when you get older. I don't know. But you get, I, I don't know. If you just get used to having to wait, uh, I'm not sure how that works. But, but it's certainly a big thing and that we have to really uh, be aware of how I want it now we are and where, where that takes us. Um, you know, I, I you know I talk about driving all the time. How funny it is, and people. But I look at people and think, you know, people that pass me going down the road, in in places where they shouldn't, and do it illegally. And I think you're not going to get there any quicker than me. And 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 yet you're threatening everything because you're impatient because someone's going a couple mile an hour slower than you want to. And I'm like, those are the kind of things that you sort of get to over time and you, you sort of realize that's a picture of life, right? How often are, because we don't want to wait a little bit, are we doing completely unnecessary risky things, trying to speed something up when, when we need to just wait? And, uh, you know, sometimes it's like the Psalms that we did this week. Sometimes waiting is difficult. Sometimes it's not, it's not the best thing. We, we're not always immediately comforted when we want to be and none of us like pain and we, we try and get pain relief. But, if you're turning to anything besides the Lord for your pain and discomfort, you're going in a really bad direction, and you're ultimately making it worse. So um, those are all the things I kind of think about when it comes to that. All right, a couple more. In Psalms 42 and 43, do you notice a particular theme for each of the three movements, or is that reading into it a little too much? No, I, I, think, I think it's not, and I, I think you could certainly read the psalm and see that there's, it's very specifically three and what you think each one might represent. I think it's a great thing for you. I kind of see it as, a, you know, you're experiencing a dark time in that first part, and then um, you realize that, so you're asking God why in the second part. And then the third part, you're remembering um, the, the, the story, and you're, and you're asking him, you know, light and truth, would you lead me back into your presence, that you, you, you want back into his presence, because um, you know that's where life is. And I, I sort of see the, the song sort of building in that direction. But... Um, Again, we don't know how long that's going to take and what the process, but we, if we keep our hope right then, then, and we pray in the midst, you know, we know that language of, of living in the overlap, and we hang on to Jesus, then, then we move back into his presence as we go. All right. Uh, one more. Psalm 42 is written by the sons of Korah. Does it also amaze you to see God use a rebel uh, like Korah to his glory and honor by placing Korah's descendants as temple musicians in assistance for hundreds of years after Korah was killed for going against Moses? Okay, good question. And uh, so, uh, no, it doesn't surprise me to see God using a rebel because he, he uses me. And uh, all of us have rebelled against God because we've all gone our way at some point. And if he didn't, couldn't use us, we'd be in big trouble. And I actually, one of my favorite things about reading the scripture is seeing how often... The, uh, the faithful people in the scripture have completely gone the wrong way. And yet God still uses them and actually sees them in their more redeemed way uh, for us, which is wonderful for me. I, I greatly appreciate that. One of the, it's one of the things about the Bible that it records people's mess for us. It's, it's life-giving. That's one of, the, one of the things you can read the scripture that may, sets it apart from everything else. You get to read about the messes in here as well as all the good stuff. So, so that's very life-giving. Um, so Psalm 42, I think 43, 44, 45, 46, 47 are, are sort of um, kind of reported to be out of the book 
of the sons of Korah. And, and so we're not necessarily sure that that means that they wrote the Psalms. They were kind of like a... It's very possible it was kind of the name of the worship team, believe it or not, uh, in the temple, and that these were the ones who were given to um, song. And uh, and so, uh, and Korah did rebel be, be, because that happened, but these are the sons of Korah. And uh, and so, you know, one of the jobs of the sons after the temple was these singers um, played on musical instruments and, and they sang. And uh, the Jewish people apparently called them the sons of Korah. Uh, and so uh, this might have been some of the songs that they sung. Uh, so we're, we're not, uh, even though it's listed, you know, it's written by the song, uh, 42 is, 43 isn't. Uh, we're not 100% sure. But, but it may be more of a representative of sort of the, the you know, the, the worship team that sang these songs at that point in time and what was going on with them. But, uh, no, great question, great pickup. And... Um, Yes, I am extremely grateful that, that God uses rebels because we would all be lost without him uh, because all of us kind of have that history. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for all of your questions. It's great to uh, be a part of the discussion here. Uh, if you didn't get a chance to submit your question, um, you probably need to wait till after the sermon. Yeah, Sunday and do it right after the sermon. Keep it fresh, you know, like listen, post the question, go do it as, you know, like quick as possible. Uh, I know some folks it's kind of hard to do that, but uh, that's a great way to do it. But anyway, thank you all. Uh, you can log on to HelloVineyard.com, submit your questions there. Same thing, Keys Vineyard, all that good stuff. So uh, we'll talk about a little behind the scenes action coming up here at the church. Friday night, we're doing our movie night first ever pandemic movie night we actually did one like right before and i think eight people showed up so i'm kind of curious who's going to be coming if you are planning on coming in person to the movie let us know in the comments probably won't be a very accurate representation but uh still be good to see and uh that's this friday at 6 30 uh, we've also got the candy giveaway october 30th uh, it's a drive-through five to seven we still need candy so if you're watching the podcast and you are coming in person over the weekends, we could still use some more candy to uh, beef up the bags we give to kids. And that's a tremendous outreach. And thank you guys for, uh, you know, partnering with us all the time in those outreaches. We're so thankful. Um, coming up this weekend, you're starting a new series called Keep in Step. Yes, and one of the ways you know that is new wristbands. The, well, that and I got the notes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, you can get a new wristband this weekend. We're bringing back some wristbands. Is this the first? We've, we haven't had a new wristband in a while, have we? No, no, I had one for this last series. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. I don't always get a wristband. Yeah, they've them. been out there. My, my kids take them, and then they turn into weapons. So yeah. I have to be careful. But uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about where you're going with the sermon as a little appetizer for everybody. Yeah, so, you know, we were reading passage of Scripture in this last series about, you know, so if we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. And, and so what I want to do now is, um, what, what I'm hoping to do is, since we spent all that time on the story, now that you know the story, uh, how do we live that story out uh, in our lives? And so, you know, I'm going to encourage people to be reading the scripture uh, and then and, and applying it, uh, you know, because the, the scripture should direct your life. It really should. It, 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 it should be more than just reading it. It should actually be 
coming out in the way that you live. And so we're going to look at that. Um, we're going to be in Deuteronomy 6 this week, uh, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them down on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So um, Moses is telling people these words and he's talking about Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy was really, uh, they're about to go into the promised land. Deuteronomy is how they're supposed to live as the people of God. That's that's really at the heart of the book. He says, look, you've got to live these things out. And, and what you need to do is you want to get them into your hearts. They need to sort of become your heartbeat. So you need to talk with, them, uh, with your children all the time. You need to be talking about these words. You need to be thinking about them with one another. You need to be figuring out how to incorporate them into your lives. You know, you, whatever that looks like, to, you know, turning them into songs. Whatever you can do, it needs to come in and show its way out. Because what we see happening, and we'll, we'll, we'll jump into that the following week, is that at some point they stop doing that and they, they, they forget about the word of the Lord. And it can happen like in a generation, which is scary, mm-hmm. which is why it's so important that we teach our children and we, you know, we, we keep, because we, we don't want to see that happen. And so we keep pressing in. But, um, but that's what we'll be doing. I'm gonna, I've got some scriptures in the Old Testament I want to go through, tying in the story a little more into scripture. And then I think what we'll do in this series is we'll, we'll take parts of the Gospel of John and um, in light of the story, see how they apply and how we can live them out. So that's kind of the plan. Awesome. How about you? Worship this weekend. What's going yeah. on? Excited for this weekend's set. Uh, Pastor Billy and Pastor Angie will be with us this weekend, along with Micaiah, who's one of our Vine Press students. She'll be singing with us. Uh, got Kurt on drums, and Kimmy and I will be here, of course, and I believe Tommy's on bass. Um, the set for this weekend, we're starting with that new one we did last weekend, Battle Belongs. Uh, by Phil Wickham, great song, and actually, uh, Kurt uh, just made a edited version of us doing that from this last Sunday on YouTube, so it is available on our YouTube channel, you can go in there, listen to that song, On Demand, we'll start rolling out more songs, and so it, it's On Demand on YouTube for your listening, and we'll do that with sermons here soon, too. I'll make links to the website, too, so yeah. that if you go to the website, you can find the yeah, so he's got a couple. So we're building up a new library. It'll take a while, but uh, we are building that for you. Uh, the next song we're doing, McKay is going to lead for us, Awake My Soul by Hillsong Worship. Uh, we did that one a few weeks ago, bringing it back. Uh, then Pastor Angie's going to lead, How Great Is Our God, one of the global songs. And we'll tag that at the end uh, with a bit of How Great Thou Art. And then uh, after that, my wife will lead us in Elevation Worship's Never Lost. Great song. And we're going to end with uh, Bethel's song, Anything is Possible, from their new album. I really like that song. It has a cool guitar solo at the end. Good. So, always nice to get one guitar solo every yeah. so often. Hey, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Very cool. So, uh, yeah, that's our set. All right. And um, we talked about what's going on. Uh, we talked about Christmas Eve coming up. That's another thing we're excited for. Uh, November, we have another uh, food giveaway. What we're, we're doing a pumpkin pie, pumpkin? No, a pumpkin bread. Pumpkin bread pudding. Pudding. Yeah, okay. I think well, that you know not 100 percent yet. I think that's right. what's happening. But we're doing something Thanksgiving-y. Yeah, be, the weekend before that Saturday, we'll do some sort of drive-through and just we'll have some sort of compliment to your to your meal. So that's what we know that's coming up. Uh, this podcast is made possible by viewers like you. That's our little PBS. Shout out there. Don't know why I keep doing that. I don't know if that's funny or not, but I'm going to keep doing it because we do those kind of things. Uh, also, 
It's possible by the Keys Vineyard Community Church. We're live on the weekend, Saturday night, 7 o'clock, Sunday morning, 8, 9, 30, and 11. You can catch us on all of your favorite streaming platforms, pretty much. Uh, we're also sponsored in part by the Jesus Moment Bible Institute. You can log on to onlinebibleinstitute.org, sign up for classes, get your associates or bachelors completely free to you. We're still doing that. How many students do we have now? I believe there's 1,198. I know that I'm just a, we're, we're just about to hit 1,200. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Uh, also, check out the Keys Vineyard app. You can download it on the App Store and the Google Play Store. Uh, it gives you links to all of our stuff that we have on the Internet and all that good stuff. And without oversharing too much, we'll say goodbye, Vineyard. Thank goodbye, you Vineyard. for watching. We'll see you this weekend. Thanks for watching today's service from Keys Vineyard Community Church. Make sure to like us on Facebook and subscribe to us on YouTube. For more information, log on to keysvineyard.com. We'll see you next time.